WTBRFM, Pittsfield. Welcome to them on WTBR, the all-inclusive ham radio show for hams and non-hams alike. Be part of the show. Contact us on www.facebook.com slash hamjamtv. It's Wednesday morning, and you know what that means. It's time for him on an AEW. Well, I think AEW is on Wednesday morning, but okay. Hey! Hey! Well, if you still have some leftover that you didn't watch last week, then yeah, you still have AEW. Okay. <laughs> we, we are back. We had a couple days off. Yes. Yes, we did. We, we, we don't take vacations long, but... Yeah. Uh, this one we uh we, we took this one so everybody who is somebody is here Jesse's here our news director who may not be our weather person much longer after the weather forecast yeah, this week true. is here every time she does the weather it it, it it's kind of gross and we're sorry it's kind of gross so you can send you can send email too. <laughs> Couldn't be any more worse than uh, this past week. I mean, uh, yesterday was not actually the greatest. Yeah, did y'all enjoy the nor'easter? Yeah, yeah. Here we are, April, and we're having a late season nor'easter. What's up with that? Yeah, New York really got slammed a little bit, but well, well, what do you expect? I mean, they're pretty much close to that beautiful lake and you know everything goes ahead and comes off especially poor buffalo every time they always manage to get slammed all right so we have we have the latest from the fcc oh dear god what is the latest from the fcc just a way to start the show right the federal community why do you have to be a debbie downer the federal communications commission Staff has clarified in response to an ARRL request that the new $35 application fee will not apply to most license modifications, including those to upgrade amateur radio licenses, operator class, and changes to club station trustees. The FCC staff explained that the new fees will apply only to applications for a new license renewal Rule waiver or a new vanity call sign is previously announced. The new fees take effect on April 19th, 2020. We are pleased that the FCC will not change charge licensees the FCC application fee for license upgrade applications, said ARRL volunteer examiner coordinator, manager mayor Maria Soma, AB1FM. While applicants for a new license will need to pay the administrative updates, such as a change of mailing address or ma- or email address, most current licensees, therefore, will not be charged a new FCC application fee until they renew their license or apply for a new vanity call sign. ARRL previously reported that the new $35 application fee for amateur radio licenses will become effective on April 19th. 
which is which was Tuesday, which was yesterday. So they so it's already in effect. Further information and instructions mm. about the FCC application fees are available from the ARRLVEC at www.arrl.org backslash FCC application fee. So the narrative, as we've talked about before, is this is FCC licenses and amateur licenses are not going to go down. Uh, no. The real narrative will be, yes, they will. Watch and see. Uh, yeah. To pay $15 to take the test and then $35 to get an email for your license. Because the FCC I, only has to push three buttons. Which I think is a bunch of crap. I'm sorry. So we will see. You know, the everybody who everybody who talks about this is is an ARRL member, so you get the ARRL narrative that it's not going to change, and the FC and the uh, licenses will, you know, the license numbers will not go down. You want to bet? Let's talk about this in a couple of months, and we'll check the numbers. That's true. And I'll bet you the numbers go down. Because I, I know a, a lot of people off the ARRL narrative who said they're not renewing because of this. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. You're spending all that money just to go ahead and either renew. Or you're spending only you're spending $45 just to get into the hobby. And and we don't make any money off the hobby. We can't. No, you don't. No. So we'll check you're the numbers. from it. We'll check the numbers in a couple of months, and we'll see if the ARRL narrative holds up, or if my narrative holds up that the the uh, that's true numbers go down. Yes, and if you hear hear birds squeaking, it's because we're in Studio B. Yes, we're in Studio B today. Um, I'm I'm sorry, and apparently Leia wants to say hi to everybody. So, morning, Leia. So we we got some news. We got some local news before we get to the other part of the ham radio show. So yes. it's news time. It's news time. Yep, we have some news, and uh, due to the pending. Uh, element weather, the city of Pittsfield's popular egg extravaganza, egg scramble. Uh, well, the will, impending weather is over, so. Yeah, well, this it was, was postponed, postponed because of, you know, the times and everything. Uh, to uh, <clears throat> the Saturday, April 23rd at the Commons, of uh, 101st Street. Uh, the event is free and open to Pittsfield's children ages of 2 and 11. Uh, scheduled per age group is followed. Uh, 1030 uh, is uh, the 9, 10, and 11-year-olds. 1040 is the 7 and 8-year-olds. And um, we have at 11 o'clock is uh, the five and six-year-olds, and the uh, 11, 10 is the four-year-olds, and then they go for the two and three-year-olds at 11.25. So basically, uh, prizes will be awarded in each group for those uh, finding the uh, lucky golden egg. And there will be balloon cre uh, creations, um, 
and everything is sponsored by the uh, Greylock uh, Federal Credit Union. And also, don't forget to bring your camera, folks, because the kids will still be able to get their bunny rabbit pictures, um, which I think is wonderful. I mean, after all, the children deserve it. It's been quite a while since they've been able to hug the bunny or have any kind of interactions with the bunny rabbit. So remember to bring your uh, camera and uh, let the little ones have a good time. And also... Uh, they happen to have the Baby Animal Festival is back in Pittsfield. It's now celebrating its 20th anniversary. Congratulations to them. Uh, the public is welcome to meet the farm's newest babies, lambs, um, piglets, calves, chickens, and kids. Uh, they are also offer education uh, on areas like blacksmithing and woodwork. Um, so this will be... Yeah, exactly. And um, they turn around, they said it's on the weekends. They are offering uh, face painting and pony rides as well. The festival is open from 11 to 4 p.m. Uh, until May 5th. So that is... Uh, what's going on so there you go so you can check that out um, I think we have the information was cut off for the for the information area yeah yeah also the story that you just uh, gave out the information well I'm sorry all right the information. Um, She'll talk about this next article for like an hour. Here comes, the, <laughs> here comes her her favorite thing here. My favorite thing of all, uh, the kitty cats. Uh, the cats uh, from the uh, dumpster, from the dumping incident, uh, are now seeking their forever homes. So just to let you know, they are now ready for their adoptions, and. Uh, they turn around, they said that um, it's pretty much, uh, let's see, 10 of the 11 cats um, that, were that were dumped. Unfortunately, they never found the last one. Uh, the people are facing, yeah, oh, that's right, too. We lost two of them. Uh, they're, fa um, they're facing 15 counts of animal cruelty, and... Uh, they are going for their uh, their hearing on May 9th, so that's good for that part. Um, the cats are ranging in different breeds, uh, from long hair to short hair, and there are are even a male Siamese mixed. So um, and he and with um, stripes and eyes named George Michael. <laughs> yes, they. Named several of these beautiful creatures. What it is is uh, the the females are given names with uh, D's such as Demi, Dixie, Darla, um, and Delilah. the and Delilah, and the males are named after musicians such as uh, Benny King, Chuck Berry, Frank Sinatra, George Michael, and Dan Fogelberg. 
um, the, the ages range from five and a half months to seven years. So give the uh, Berkshire Animal uh, <clears throat> Humane Society a call and uh, set up your time or however they are doing it, if they're walk-ins or however. But give them a call and uh, set up your times because uh, it is um, ready to be adopted and uh, give your new little extra furry baby a new home because they sure look like they are. I'm looking at some beautiful pictures and they are actually stunning. Uh, give them a uh, call and see exactly if you want to fit in with a new little creature of your home or even if you're not stop by anyway they always are looking to go ahead and have some interactions and just for the day for you know uh, the, the day they say hey I mean if they get bored they would like to have some visitors once in a while too okay <laughs> who's what's next um Oh, this one's pretty interesting and kind of uh, means something a little bit. My granddaughter um, has autism, so this one means a little bit. Um, the mention in, in the past of uh, the reason why we have the blue lights. Um, the reason why the blue lights are there is um, to let someone know that there is a child in the home that has autism. So if you're ever driving along during the middle of the night, sundown, however, and you happen to see a blue light, just to let you know, there is a child in that house that has autism, and they're just letting you aware <clears throat> that if something does happen, to let you know that there is a child in that home that uh, unfortunately may not be able to tell you that something's wrong or um, anything's possible of that child having any difficulties. So we're just uh, opening up with uh, that in mind. Um, April is Aut um, Autism Awareness Month, so we're just passing on the word that uh, if you happen to see them, don't be too surprised because um, they're going to be a little bit more popular going out. It's just to open up your eyes and say, hey, there is a little one that may not be able to be vocal to let you know that there's something wrong. Jess? Uh, let me see what I have here. I have a local and I have a story about ham, um, pertaining to ham radio. Which one do you want? Uh, do, do the local since we're, since we're doing local news. Uh, local, let me see. Uh, Massachusetts residents have endured another annoying long winter season. And spring is finally here. Where? Well, I think after the cold, well, I think after the recent cold snap, yeah, we can get ready to start planting and stuff. Anyways, uh, the Department of Cultural Resources in Massachusetts has put out their list of plants that are illegal to plant, and they want to let you know, hey, don't have, hey, don't have them in your yard. Because they are invasive species, and they can go ahead and mess with the natural order and the natural plants of the Bay State. So, 
to give a quick rundown. Let me see. Emmer, Emmer cork trees, honeysuckle, water hyacinth, uh, couch grass, feather grass. Yes, these are actual names. Don't come at me. I'm sorry. Uh, arrowhead, arrowhead plants, grubines, autumn, uh, autumn olive, uh, Bell's honeysuckle, uh, Bengal dayflower, bishop's weed, black locusts, um, let me see, red rice, brown beard rice. Uh, Cape Tulips, there is Common Blackthorn, Common Barberry, uh, Creeping Buttercups, Creeping Jenny, also known as Moneywort, uh, let me see, Devil Storm, Duck Lettuce, uh, Forget-Me-Nots, actually. Really? Yes, Forget-Me-Nots are illegal. Daisies? Yes, Forget-Me-Nots. Uh, let me see, garlic mustard, garlic mustard, joint grass, fine leaf, uh, let me see, horn poppy, seed poppy, yellow horn, yellow horn poppy, uh, water thyme, Japanese honeysuckle, Japanese hops, Japanese knotweed, Japanese barberry, still grass, There's like four or five pages. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, let me see. Large grave willows. Uh, mosquito ferns. Onion weed. Uh, oriental bittersweet. Parent feathers. Uh, red rice. Red rice. Read canary grass, joyweed, napeweed, sycamore, maple. Yes, for people that are planting trees, do not plant a sycamore maple. Uh, let me see. Wine berries, wild sugar canes, wild safflowers, wild blackberries, uh, yellow. Chris, uh, wine berries, yellow irises, yellow floating heart, and also on top of that, if you want the full list, please go to live959.com and look for the uh, still illegal to grow plan to grow these plants in Massachusetts link. Yes, there is a long list, and I was not going through it, and there was like four or five different pages. I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm running short of it. Those are some plants you do not want to plant in Massachusetts. Okay. I guess, I guess you'll get a fine for it if they caught putting them in your yard? You'll get fine. You'll get fined for it. Ask to remove, and they'll ask you to remove it. And if you don't come, if you don't remove it, they will come remove it because it's invasive. There you go. All right. When we come back, wow. we'll have some ham radio news. We'll have 
the weather. Yes, and don't shoot me. No! We, we will be back in just a moment. You're listening to him on the WTBR. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Hi, this is Sean Sayre, Executive Director of PCTV. When Taconic High School was demolished, we could have lost this radio station. Instead, PCTV stepped in, built a new studio and transmitter, and gave the station new life. And now it's time to pay that back. Support this station today. Go to WTBRFM.com and click the donate button. You won't be sorry. Pittsfield Community Radio thanks you for your support. Have you ever dreamed of being a radio DJ, spinning your favorite vinyl, CDs, and MP3s? Have you ever wanted to share conversations with interesting guests with the community? Then the WTBR-FM Programming Committee wants to hear from you. We are now accepting proposals for new programs. For more information, visit WTBRFM.com or call 445-4234. Pittsfield Community Radio, for the love of radio. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hi. Welcome to the future. The future begins in 10, 9, 8... Eight. Oh, wait a minute. Eight. What, again? Eight. Dude, what the fuck? Who is this guy? Three, two, one. WTBR. And we're back here on Ham On. I don't want to do this, but... <laughs> Berkshire Weather. Nice. Why do you always give me a hard time about the weather? Just do your weather while we're going to jingles uh, okay. play. Uh, today... Well, today we have uh, 47, and the night is uh, for 30. Uh, the winds are at 14 to 25 miles an hour. Tomorrow is uh, for, we got 54 for the day, 41 for nights, and 10% chance of rain uh, at 10 to 23 miles an hour. But for Friday, we got 58, and the night is 36 another 10% with rain. Saturday is uh, 58 for the day, 40 for night, and 20% chance of rain. And for Sunday is 59 with another 20% chance of rain. I'm sorry, April brings me, brings uh, showers, but we get the pretty flowers afterwards. I mean, without that, you ain't going to get nowhere with okay, uh, okay. anything growing. All right, wait, if May showers April, April, April showers. showers bring May flowers. What does what does April snow bring you? Think about that. Well, I'm sorry. That's always the way I always remember that as a child. Alright, so now we go from from terrestrial weather to space weather. Yes, we'll get to your thing in a we got time. So here, here, here's the space weather to go your terrestrial weather. We'll be back. 
space weather this week has definitely calmed down compared to last week but man things are still pretty exciting as we take a look at our earth facing disk you can see two coronal holes one of them had been passed through the earth strike zone and we've been getting a little bit of storming from that but back on the 11th pow right there did you see that that was an earth directed solar storm from old region 2987 and in fact when we take a look at chronographs you can see there's a full halo right there that confirms that this storm is earth directed and we'll talk more about prediction models in a minute but once that storm arrives you can see there's another coronal hole off to the sun's east that coronal hole is going to be sending us some fast solar wind right on the tail of this solar storm so we're going to kind of get a one-two punch and that should bring some decent aurora down to mid-latitudes, maybe for a day or two before things begin to quiet down. Meanwhile, as solar flux has kind of died down a little bit, we only have two active regions on the Earth-facing disk right now, so it's a big difference compared to about a week ago. Nonetheless, we're still hovering about 100 for solar flux, which means amateur radio operators and emergency responders, your propagation should still be pretty good in uh, on the day side, but things might calm down a little bit before they get better. Now, as we take a look at our far-sided sun, this is Stereo A, and it's looking at the sun just a little bit from the sun. You can see those two coronal holes early on, but they begin to rotate off of the sun's west limb in stereo's view. You can also see on the 11th that big BAM right there, that big uh, solar storm that's headed toward Earth. But now take a look on the, the stereo's east limb. You can see a few regions that are rotating into stereo's view, and a couple of them are, especially the one in the north. These are solar storm producers. So these look like they could actually begin to give us some decent uh, boost to that solar flux. They also might be big flare players. We won't know for another three or four days, but as they begin to rotate in stereo's view and into earth view it looks like aurora chances are still going to be on the horizon now getting back to that solar storm we switch to our prediction model enlil now this is noah's version of the model the top panel's density the bottom panel's velocity and you're looking down at the sun from the north pole with earth being off to the right and when we take a look, you can see that solar storm launching, but you can also see that it's launching, especially if we look down at the bottom panel, you can see that sea of green. That sea of green that's chasing that solar storm, that is the fast solar wind. So you can see that we're actually going to get hit by that solar storm first, and then that fast solar wind will come as a chaser. In fact, that fast solar wind is actually causing this storm to be a bit of a density plug, so it's actually going to be quite dense, we think, as it comes and hits hits Earth. It also will be a direct hit. In fact, the impact is expected to be about 8 o'clock UTC time on the 14th, according to this model, and it should bring us some decent aurora clear down to mid-latitudes. Now, as we switch to the NASA's version of the model, again, you're looking down at the sun from the North Pole with Earth being off to the right. In this case, the solar storm being launched is a little bit slower. The impact is a little bit later, coming closer to about noon on the 14th. But either way, that's a pretty good agreement, and we should see aurora down to mid-latitudes. It's definitely a direct hit. So uh, all you Aurora chasers, be sure to keep your batteries charged. Switching to our moon, we are now passing through the second quarter phase on our way to a full moon with a full moon on the 16th. So you night sky watchers, if you want to catch those dim objects in the sky, like, I don't know, maybe some aurora during a solar storm, you're going to need to check your local rise and set times because you have this bright companion that might make things a little bit tough. 
Switching to your solar storm conditions and aurora possibilities over the coming week, we are anticipating the hit from that Earth-directed solar storm with that fast wind chaser, and this should be a pretty good hit. In fact, at high latitudes, NOAA is expecting major storm conditions with up to about an 80% chance of a major storm, in fact, and this could last over a couple days from the 14th into the 15th easily before things begin to settle down over the weekend. So your war photographers at high latitudes, definitely get ready for this show. I know some of you are worried about that, that midnight sun coming up or beginning to lose your nighttime hours so this may be the really uh, last big chase of the season for you now mid latitudes we're not expecting as hard a hit just minor storm conditions but we do have up to about a 25 percent chance of a major storm and again it could last in through the beginning of the weekend before things settle down because of that fast solar wind so get ready aurora chasers even at mid latitudes you could be in for a show Switching to your solar flare and particle radiation storm outlook over the coming week, everything is back to being in the green. In fact, we only have two active regions on the Earth-facing disk right now. This is region 29, 88, and 89, and neither of them are big flare players, so we don't really have to worry about that. So you GPS users, you should be very happy. You should have great GPS conditions for reception on Earth's day side. Now, because of this, we also have solar flux kind of not really tanking, but just kind of going down a little bit. We're back into the double digits for the first time in, oh my goodness, I don't know, maybe a month or so. It's likely not going to last all that long. We're going to be hovering around 100. So radio propagation on Earth's day side should remain pretty good. It's just Earth's night side that might be a problem when that solar storm hits that could cause you some issues. So be aware of that. And now also we basically have climbed out of solar minimum. So the cosmic ray flux has definitely settled down and we have no risks for radiation storms right now. So we're back into the D1 normal range and that means everybody is in the clear. So the space weather this week is definitely very exciting. We have an Earth-directed solar storm that should be hitting us right around the 14th, probably before noon, and it could bring aurora clear down to mid-latitudes. Now, it will be chased also by some fast solar wind that could extend the storming a little bit longer, and that means great news for aurora photographers, both at high latitudes and mid-latitudes. Keep your batteries charged because you could get a decent show. Now, amateur radio operators and emergency responders, well, you know, things aren't too bad. We have dipped down back into the double digits for solar flux on Earth's day side, but just barely. So radio propagation on Earth's day side should remain pretty good. We definitely don't have any risk for radio blackouts. And the only thing you need to worry about is when that solar storm hits, you might get a bit of disruption on Earth's night side. But hang in there because it looks like we've got new regions rotating into Earth view here in the next week that will then boost that solar flux back up into the triple digits for you. And now GPS users, well, you know what? It's not so bad. The day side is pretty quiet. We don't have any radio blackouts, so your reception should be perfect on Earth's day side. And then on the night side, well, as long as you steer clear of Aurora and clear of those dawn dusk uh, terminators during that solar storm, your GPS reception should be pretty top notch. I'm Tama the Scove, the Space Weather Woman. Thank you for watching. All right, there's your space weather right, right from Tamatha. And you have a story. Jesse. Yes, I do. Right now I'm being harassed by the cat. I'm sorry. Well, let's uh, let's focus. My focus needs more focus.
And there he goes on the laptop. Figures. <coughs> story. Uh, why, why, why are you waiting for me? I was waiting for the cat to get off and get off my copy. Oh, well, the cat's off your copy, so go ahead and do your Yay. story. Yay! Uh, let me see. And he smudged it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> let me see. I found a little story. It's about, um, him radio and, um, and how people naturally assume and where they got the assumption that it's nothing but a all-man's club. And well, it, well it, it, technically it is. We, we've had these conversations. Well, this explains why. Okay. Apparently. Well, good. She's going to explain why. Everybody listen up. <laughs> this is important. Hammering, hammering here for which uh, FCC-licensed individuals are granted a portion of air of the airwaves to operate amateur non-commercial radio exploded in po- exploded in popularity in the mid 20th century during its heyday in the 50s it was predominantly a hobby for uh middle for middle class men based in suburban homes as um, as such argues historian uh, Kristen Herring, amateur radio made claim made claims on masculinity and privacy in the mid-century. This is her quote. Uh, in a mid-century household, in an atmosphere of se- of sexual identity anxiety. And women's control over dom- over domestic geography. In other words, a woman was in charge of the house. So, uh, let me see. Herring, <laughs> Herring explore, explores the social and spartal distance created. By this, in, by this intertwining of masculinity and technology, a seeming, seemingly indigenous, uh, insidious hobby, embellished with sexual politics and geopolitical issues. Apparently, uh, let's see. Current legislator activities gain social approval. Because their association with values such as a strong work ethic, ethic, educational enrichment, uh, thrift, and structure, structure use of time still, any individual intensely devoted to a single hobby could fall out of favor and disrupt the whole household. Well, I don't see it that way. I'm sorry, I don't say it that way. So basically, so basically, in her mind, if you pay attention to just your hobby, you're you're disrupting the ham, the household, and economics and everything. Uh, do, uh, m- m- most ham shacks are way off in a corner someplace. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm like, wait, what? 
Uh, let me see. In the 50s, marital tensions have become a standard trope. Standard trope of hobby culture. Ham radio continues hearing, hearing grounded masculinity and technology rather and rather than sexuality, but the by the fifties marital tensions have become a standard trope standard trope for uh of hobby culture. Harsh commentaries by Ham's wives and a hobby and the hobbyist press include included protests that technical Tentacle interests diminished hobbyists' uh, sexual. Basically, basically, they either became became too into their hobby where they didn't care about them, where they didn't care about what went on in a household at that time, or they went ahead to refer to it as ham radio was that it was a man's thing. It was man. It was manly. It had to be manly. Well, and, and, and to that, and, and to that, I you know, I tell we've had you know we we've done shows on on why women aren't really into this hobby so much, and most of them have said, and and, and I think my wife will agree that it's the tech it's the technical side. It's, you know, how many women are sitting around going to fix, you know, I mean, nobody fixes radios anymore because we're in a throwaway society. Yeah, seriously. But, you know, who, how many women are going to, you know, fix radios and, and find out what's wrong with radios? They'll go, honey, the radio's broken. Can you fix it? And, and this hobby is, is very technical. But there are a few women, and more women hopefully are going to get into the hobby. Hopefully. But they, they, a lot of them have a problem with, with that math. So maybe the yeah. FCC should make this more gender neutral. The ARRL, maybe, should make it more gender neutral. And, and since we're in a throwaway society where you know you, you, your radio <laughs> dies, you can just go buy a new one. What? What are you uh about? Oh, hold on, hold on a minute. It goes on to say that during the 50s, it was known as a father-son bonding experience. Yeah. Father-son bonding experience. This is why it's an old man's and, club. And the guys took the FCC regulation part of inaccessible to unauthorized persons, literally. <laughs> so their wives were the unauthorized persons that couldn't touch it, go near it, hear it, or anything. Well, well, there's there's a lot of things in the fifties that still don't make today. But you're umhooing for a reason. Why are you umhooing for that's a reason? All, and that's also where you got the hammer abbreviation of the XYL or former young lady. Well, it was during that time frame. Well, well, XYL means wife. Yeah, and th according to the fifties, it was former young lady. Okay, well, that that that's cool, <laughs> and, and 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 unfortunately, so yeah, it was a man, it was a man's thing. The shack, the shack was the man's domain, and basically in the fifties, if any woman went near it, 
she was told to get the heck out of there. And, and unfortunately, it's still considered the old man's club. You know, we don't have, I think, what, 10%, maybe less than 10% of all amateur radio operators in this country are women. Yes, because because of well, it's not really because of that. It's like because this. because I, I've like I said, I've talked to a few of them, and and Melanie, you know, Melanie's another one who really didn't grasp the math no, behind no, said, doing uh, this. And a lot of the women, no, they look at the test, they look at the the, the, the the practice tests, and they see all these formulas, you know, all these schematic. Diagrams of what's an antenna and what's a resistor, and that's where they kind of fail through. Rules yeah. and regulations, because you know anybody who's married will knows that women will rule and regulation you to death. <laughs> they're, they're all they're all good with that, but we're good at it. But when it comes to what's the symbol for an antenna, what's the symbol for a resistor, what's the symbol for a capacitor, they have no clue. Which I still think that this is a hundred-year-old hobby. Most of this stuff hasn't been changed in a hundred years. Mm -hmm. I think it's time for the ARRL to catch up and change some of those problems because, really, we do, we're in we're in a throwaway society. You know, your radio breaks. Yeah, how many how many people remember back in the day when you could take your TVs to a to a TV shop, and exactly. you get them fixed, or you take your game consoles, or you take whatever radios you had to a TV <laughs> shop? Okay. Carol, who's usually here, her dad had a house full of radio tubes. Exactly. Because her father used to repair radios. You don't do that anymore. You you, you get a radio, it breaks. You don't know how to fix it. You throw it away and you buy a new one. I kind of have a rebuttal to the to, to the repairing uh, video game consoles because Nintendo still does anything under their license. You go ahead, you send it back to the factory. They'll go ahead and replay and they'll go ahead and fix it and replace it. Right. Okay. But what I'm saying is. Back in the day. Back in the day, yeah. You could you take your video game console. You didn't have to send it back to Sony or Nintendo no, or Microsoft we, we or whatever have, it is. You could take it you could stores. take it to a repair shop. Yeah, we had one of those. That would be stores. licensed, you know, uh, they would be licensed as a as a Microsoft repair shop or a Nintendo repair shop or whatever. And they would there on premises fix your game console. Or yeah, you we, could bring your we TV. We shop. It was contemporary TV in in Albany. Right. There, there's a few of them. You could bring your TV in. They could fix your TV. You could bring a radio in. They could fix the radio. Today, you know, with the flat screen TVs or whatever, they just oh, it doesn't work. Throw it away. You know, yeah, you, you I can know. go run around in our backyards back here behind Studio B to the dumpsters and you see everybody throwing away their TVs because yeah, they bought new ones instead yeah. of because you can't fix LED TVs yeah. or there's no one around to fix LED TVs no. yeah. flat screens and there's no one to fix exactly. radios anymore you, you, you know your radio dies very few people are in there tinkering around you know, oh, this is what needs to be fixed. This is let's fix this. This is broken. This is blown out. No, well, we we buy new stuff. 
We're doing it all the time. So, the I think the ARRL needs to change some of the math problems because you really, re, really don't use it anymore. Yeah, but if I, you, I have never used the math problems. But if you throw it away, then you don't have those who are still, you know, the diehard gentlemen of the hobby. Well, they, they already know. They're not going to take another test. Most of them that, that are diehard in this hobby are already extras. They've gone as far as they can go. And they're done. And, you know, I know one, I know Eric, you know, KA1SUN, he still repairs radios and that on his free time. But that that's really all there is. You walk, you know, here, here we are in Pittsfield. Go up and down the street in Pittsfield. What are we repairing? Cell phones. There's a cell phone repair shop. Yeah. You go to bike and board and have your bike fixed. Exactly. But where are you repairing radios? You're not. Nowhere. Unless you know how to do it, it's not getting done. You're buying a new one. Yes, you can send it back to HRO or you can send your game consoles back to Microsoft or Xbox or Nintendo. But, you know, you, but let's figure it out. You're going to get charged for the shipping to send it back. You're going to get charged for the parts and labor to fix it. And then you're going to get charged for them to ship it back to you. Like, so it's going to end up three times the cost of just going to your local repair shop and saying, fix this. Yeah, and unfortunately, you're risking the fact of it being, you know, jumbled around all over the place and the way everyone goes in and goes, you know, throwing stuff and everything. How do you know if they're not going to damage it more than what was already damaged? Right. Well, they, they pack up pretty good. I mean, I, I'm part of this because when my VHF radio, at, when it was still under warranty, my, my Fusion radio decided to give up the ghost. I actually sent it back to Yezu. And they fixed it and sent it back. But it'd be nice to be, you know, go to a local repair shop, you know, where you're not waiting two, three weeks for it to come back. You know, you can go check on it. Hey, what's up? What's happening? How are you doing on the radio? You know, and and back. We had one of those in Albany. We had a couple of them. Yeah, she said that we had yeah. the one. Um, we had the other the, that big repair shop down on on, on Waverly Ave. We yeah. had the game, the one that repaired the games and the radios up on Central Ave. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, one of them. You um, went ahead and had to get a crystal for the for it. Or something for one of the, and they made you. Um, they put in uh, certain channels for you. Yeah, that was Radio Shack. Was not. That was back in the days of no, crystal no, controlled no. scanners. I remember it being on Central Avenue. You went there. One of the radios that you had, you had the. It had to be upgraded, but I can't remember the name of it. Right. It was a crystal controlled scanner, and you had to go to Radio Shack and have them put the have them. They have a box of crystals, and I'm then glad I remember you got a brain. And then if you and then if you remember. wanted a separate frequency, then what was in the box of crystals, you had to order it. Well, all I know is, um, 
because you had uh, sent it um, off to be worked on. And uh, you turn around and you says, my God, it's taking a bit for it to be worked on. Um, and uh, that's all I remember. I cannot remember exactly where it was, um, but uh, they worked on it for a bit and then went ahead and you, um, you went with uh, Josh to go pick it up. That's all I remember. It was on Central mm -hmm. Avenue. Right, which is the point that this doesn't happen anymore you know no, we're, we're, we're taking strolls down memory lane this morning yeah i think i think you know we're in a throwaway society <laughs> and to have women who most of them aren't technically up to date and they'll admit that you know they'll see a schematic and they'll say what's this and have them try to figure all this out just to get an amateur radio license to talk on the air when nobody's fixing things anymore. So a lot of these stuff that's still on the VE test, the ARRL should really consider not taking off the VE test. Let's make it more modern. Most of the stuff that we're doing, we're doing from 100 years ago when everybody was fixing their own stuff. This yeah. is an experimental hobby. How many experiments are people doing? I know there's some people up in the gigahertz that are doing microwave stuff that you can't buy that equipment. You can only buy equipment up to 1,300 megahertz, which is 1.3 gigs. But, you know, they're up in 50 gigs, 20 gigs, and they have to buy their own equipment. What? Are you serious? Yeah. There's really people out there doing that? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. There's, there, there's people that, because even on your technician license, you can go all the way up to, I think it's 256 gigahertz on microwave. And I'm sorry, I'm just learning. Yeah. And, and there's some people who, you know, like I said, radios only go up to 1.3 gigs. Ah. So if you're doing commercial radios, if you're doing anything past that, you have to build your own stuff. And some of these people are up on 56 gigahertz where they have to haul, you know, a 95-pound machine that they built up to the top of a mountain. And then someone's on top of another mountain just to send CW code to each other to be up, to be up there. That's the only experimenting being done. You know, we get these, uh, these HF radios on... Uh, Regular HF radios, and if they break, you know, you have to send it back to the company and hope that they'll fix it within six months or buy a new one. And a lot of people are buying new ones. And yeah. A lot of women are, like I said, a lot of women look at these tests, these practice tests that are online and say, you know what, never mind. If we take that out... Because they they, they're all hip with the rules and regulations and, and what the FCC rules do. And I, proof of that is these two sitting here because even on broadcast FM radio, we have FCC rules we have to abide by. Yeah. So they, you know, they seen the rules and said, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. But if I told them, if I said, if I told Darlene, hey, take, take apart that board and recap it. She's going to look at me like I got things crawling out of my head. No, you'd probably be wearing it over your head. But, but if I say, well, I say, what's the seven dirty words you can't say on radio? 
you know, if she could, she'd spout them off because we know that stuff. Yeah. So this is, you know, this is what the ARRL has to do is take that part out of the test, and I guarantee more women would get into this field and into this hobby, and we need them. Well, let's, this let's put it this way: we would get more into it, into this hobby, if it was more simple for us. I mean, I would probably have learned a lot more. I know better to go ahead and go off and make cookies and bake a cake then I would know what in the world to do, how to go fix a radio. And, and, and again, but, you know, you, you, you sit here through these shows, you know that, you know, being on broadcast FM radio, you have rules from the FCC. We've all been brought up to speed on that. You know, you can rattle those things off, but if I tell you to take apart this board, this audio board and recap it, you're going to look at me like, What's, what, what, what do I do? And that's what a lot of the things are. Yeah. You know, the common sense questions that, that, that this happens, if you're looking at a schematic and one of the questions is, what's the symbol for an antenna? How many women really going to know that unless they uh, really, well, you, you are an exception to the rule. Don't put your hand up. It's an upside down triangle and a line through it. And yet you haven't taken your test. See, you don't count. No. You don't count because I'll, you. I'll, no, 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 no. You don't on. count. Hold on. I will read through. I will read through, memorize, memorize stuff, memorize everything. But the only problem is, is I still have the issues with map. I'll get confused on the map. And what, I will. I'll get confused and, on and, map. And really, we don't really use math that much anymore. You know, we have electronic frequency analyzers that will do what the math was supposed to do. Exactly. You know, we have antennas that we can buy that are already pre-cut for certain frequencies. Exactly. There's, you know, there's, I mean, there's a few people that still build their antennas, but they're not going to go 300 divided by the frequency in megahertz is no. this. And this is what? your antenna should be cut to they put it on the frequency analyzer or where is where is it where is it resonant and the frequency analyzer will tell you where it's resonant so the 300 divided by the frequency in megahertz really doesn't mean that much anymore no. I, I mean you know you can feel you know, if you're good in math and you like math you figure it out 300 by the 300 people is the, is the, is the speed of light yes in a vacuum Yes. Divided by the frequency in megahertz, mm -hmm. that cuts out to your frequency that you want to be resonant on. Yeah, it does. How many people still use that? You know, we did field day last year, and Alex, and Alex comes out with all these electronic frequency analyzers and, and things like that, and we got to go. She's, my, my director is bugging me that we got to go. So real quick. Apparently. Real quick. Uh, Real the, quick. The, the New England uh, QSO party on May 7th, May 8th is a great time to check out antenna systems and offers a moderately paced opportunity to work new states and countries. You'll find a wide variety of participants from newcomers to experienced contesters, all interested in making contacts with New England stations. Our goal is to get everyone of uh, the 67 counties in New England on the air, so 
We hope you will encourage your friends to join in on the fun. Even if you can join the fun for a couple of hours, we appreciate it. Will be will you be QRV? Let us know with a message to info at neqp dot org. The New England QSO party is May seventh, <coughs> and, and there you go. So yes, we gotta go. Thank you. So hopefully next week we'll be back in the studio. Hopefully. Darlene, our news director and our weather director, will hopefully have better weather for us next week. Well, what am I supposed to do? Go ahead and ask Mother Nature if she'll give me an update on it ahead of time? Yes, you should, you should get together with Mother Nature, have a conversation, and say, look, I am the weather director for WTBR-FM for Ham On, and they're going to shoot me if I don't give, you, give <laughs> us some better weather. And yeah. I really don't want that to happen. Good luck on that. And like I said, folks, give the Berkshire uh, Humane Society a shout-out. They've got those babies, and they need a homes. And see if you can find your forever friend. They need a forever home and love. And our forever one is all over the studio here being nosy and yes. wants to be part of the show. He does. He does. So yeah. on behalf of Theo, our... Would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. I guess not. He, our, he hasn't our figured mascot it out yet. kitty, Darlene, Jesse, and myself. We will talk to you next week. You've been listening to him on WTBR FM. Everybody, enjoy the Seven, week. Sending three, guys. Take Have care. a good one.